I was. That was Mickey. That was the worst Mickey. I don't know. My voice. <laughs> That's horrible. That is horrible. But you know it was Donald. Yes, I did. And then you love the line from Lean on Me. If what is what is Pluto? What is Pluto? Yeah. No, I don't know. No, no, in, in the cartoons. Mickey's pet. What is yeah. he? He's a dog. Yeah. Then what is Goofy? Well, he's, in a, he's a dog also. So, so how come... Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right? Isn't yeah, that, I know. You know I, I, I've come upon this problem before. Where was... And that's from Lena. I mean, yeah. when, where's the consistency director? When <laughs> oh, they were, I don't know, Dave. <laughs> they were doing all, doing all that. Yeah. Now, I could do Pluto's voice. Here. That's, I like the tail That's wag. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I don't know. It's something <coughs> yeah. about it. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. You have a dog walking yeah. a dog. I mean, yeah. it's just a little too But odd. this is not the Disney show. This is the two half-squads. Oh, the one and only podcast on the net dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. Advanced, Advanced Squad Leader. Leader. Welcome, and today everybody. Is actually, March 10th, same day yeah. as last show, yeah. 2008. 14. 14. I know. I'm still having a hard time with 2014. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm flying through March this quickly. Yeah. You know, I was reading something uh, out of one of the ASL annuals. No way. Not too long ago. And I thought, oh, wow, that's that's so funny. That was like, God, that ASL annual came out like 15 years ago. No. The one I was reading Uh. was like 24 years ago or whatever it was. It's like, oh, man. The time she is a flying. Yeah, that's just more ancient than you think. But that's one of the great things about ASL is you got all this this huge uh, backlog of stuff. You can get it's your still, hands on it. You and know, it is. It's, it's, it's still pertinent. fun to collect. It's very pertinent. And it, yes, and it is. It is still pertinent. Except for the uh, bikinis. The bikini issue, you know, they get better as they go on. The older bikini issues of the ASL annual, not as good, in my opinion. You're not getting are those, thinking are you? thinking of Sports <laughs> Illustrated? <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Thank you. And the older yes. ones not so good. Yeah, the older ones. The are older ones were better. No, they're getting skimpier. The bikinis are getting skimpier as they go on. <clears> yeah, but <throat> the women were stouter then. Stouter. Much, oh yes, much better looking. Stouter is better. Oh yeah. Okay. A nice thick, I didn't know, you know that. A 50s style thick. woman. A 50s kind of woman versus a. <laughs> you know what I'm trouble. saying? You're gonna get. I know. I'm not gonna get in trouble. I like a thick woman. Not bring like, me a not, woman who's a stout-hearted woman. Not like a, um. And I'll soon bring you ten thousand more. No, no, not like a thick in the head woman. Oh, no, but no, you mean thick in the, thick in the, you know, in the, in the like in the fifties. <laughs> do you know? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Yeah, a girl worth fighting for. <laughs> Mulan. Uh, here, let's let's just think. <clears throat> there ain't nothing like a dame. Nothing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> nothing in the world. I don't know how this applies. This is uh, stout-hearted men. Oh. Give me some men who are stout-hearted men who will fight for the right they adore. Start me with ten who are stout-hearted men, and I'll soon give you ten thousand more. Shoulder to shoulder, and bolder and bolder, they grow as they go to the fore. Then there's nothing in the world can fall on our plan. When stout-hearted men can stick together, man to man. No, we're talking about women. Oh, we are. Okay. Go to a girl worth fighting for. Mulan. What is that from, Stoutheart? I don't know. They don't have eight. There ain't nothing like a dame. It's not on there? No. It's a good old 50s thing, too. You know? Not that the 50s were necessarily better. Don't you you say when people say, oh, you know, this country's going downhill? Yeah. 
And you think, oh, yeah, we should go back to slavery. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the good old days. Oh, yeah. Lynchings, segregation. We got sunlight on oh. the sand. We got moonlight on the sea. We got mangoes and bananas we can pick right off a tree. We got volleyball and ping pong and a lot of dandy games. What ain't we got? We, we ain't got dames. Packages from home, we get movies, we get shows, we get speeches from mm-hmm. our skipper, and I buy yeah. from Tokyo Rose. We get letters to us. This, this is Advanced Squad Leader. It's World, World War II. Don't tell us we're off task. No. Everybody now. Oh. We got nothing to put on a clean white. Oh, that's that guy. He was the um what we need is what there ain't no TV show. The Mart my favorite Martian. Oh, Ray Walston. Yeah. That was Ray. Nothing in the world. It's just so singable. There ain't nothing you can name that is anything like a dame. All right. Well, you know, we are. All right, of, sorry, I'm trying nonsense. to turn it off. Stop it. This is show. Gosh, that's just fun. You know, we are you, Renaissance men. We are. We got to bring all this kind of stuff in, and it's it, and it all relates to World War Two. It does. Everything or relates war, to World War the II. Mulan song "War" would be about. Uh, it would. Girl worth fighting for. Yeah. A girl worth fighting for. Have you ever heard that, Rolly? The Mulan. Uh, you know, I uh, I watched Mulan a long time ago. No, like two weeks ago. Are First time I'd me? ever seen it. Did First you time like I'd it? ever seen it. Yeah, it was okay. Are you serious? Yeah, it was okay. You know, it was a the avalanche the whole... cartoon. <laughs> The cartoon. The music's good. Yeah, the music was fine. All right. Well, you know, yeah. with music, sometimes you have to hear it more than one time. Yeah, that's start true. To yes. really appreciate that's it. That's true. And sing along with it. Yeah. How many times have you heard There Ain't Nothing Like a Dame? Many, 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 many times. I've been to many uh, performances of South Pacific. Well, Jeffrey, so. it's time to get on with the show. And so we shall. Theme song? Okay. Well, you know what that means. I do. Quiz show. What have you... <laughs> from last episode get it oh yes my, my quiz show bells very good all right and jeff what have you been playing lately Let's well get serious here it's a uh, serious show actually, for serious men I, with serious problems yes it is <laughs> yes it is with serious <laughs> squad leader problems i actually haven't been playing that much though i am i am scheduled to play um with rich on on sunday so all I'm right look, looking forward to that and you and i of course are playing with the other two lads we're playing god save the king and i'll do that at an bridge Thing, but you and I got together last week and we played Whalen Good Time. This is uh, ASL scenario HC4. HC meaning again, yeah, how come we can't pull this? Because you know, the the, the newer stuff doesn't stick in my brain, yeah, I don't know. Not Suicide Creek, no, um, the Guadalcanal thing, yeah, it was in the magazine, not in the games, not not from Watch, it's from Operation Watchtower, it was supposed to be, but it wasn't until they released it later in magazine operations, but. Yeah, yeah well, alligator, <laughs> alligator. So no, that's we, the other. We one. remember the too many stuff, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So this takes place in uh, this is a Guadalcanal scenario. Hell's, Hell's Corner. Yes. Hell's Corner. Hell's Corner. Very good. It didn't take you too long. Oh, ready? Uh, Hill. Yeah, very good. Hell's Corner. Hell's Corner. Hill seventy-five. This is a scenario designed by uh, Nader El Farah. He did. He did most of those. Oh, did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was fun. You and I played very small portion of the board. Japanese. Japanese against the Marines, Marines. of course. This was fun, though. I did poorly. Kind it had of. that open ground hill area. Yes. And woods on both flanks. But to get to the one wood, you had to cross an open ground hill I sector. I had to get, Yep. The Marines are supposed to exit. Uh, are supposed to win by exiting off the opposite side of the board. They enter right. one side of the board. They get off the other side of the board. Yeah. If they're going to do it, they can't. Well, I shouldn't say that. They could probably do it just going through jungle, but it'd be... I think they could, because the Japanese could. would have to spread yeah. out to do a defense. Yeah. have to be in the woods. Now, I jungle, and I I do remember pulling my right flank, because you've moved into a hex. I think for the Japanese, I recommend being in the like left... We don't have the boards here, but left lower corner on that hill, so you can cover the open grounds. Yes, which you did very well with... Uh, and I had a mortar. A mortar that could hit the woods yeah. edges on the right flank yes. on the hill. And you end up going right into there. I went right into there. And I, that, I had four squads just absolutely stuck there for the entire game. game. In fact, I counterattacked. Oh, yeah, I remember now. You I, did, I yeah. counterattacked yes. up 
DM'd people, and then I realized I shouldn't be counterattacking up because I have to fall back and cut off the yeah. exit, which you were right. pretty close. So I did manage to run some dudes back across the open hill, right? You nailed one half squad. Yeah, in, yeah. And the other you... managed to get just barely in there in time to lay some fire down. Right. Yeah. But it was tough, tough for you, too, because it was uh, there was light jungle, and then there was a creek that was difficult that thing to was cross. That brutal. Three so million was... points to go into it because it had the jungle right uh, no five to five to go in yeah yeah which made it very tough yeah and you couldn't always advance out if you were like cx because coming out it would use all your movement factors too that's right also um so would you think push down that your right flank woods I think so. Or would you put yeah, everything that would on be one side, side instead of splitting it like you did maybe? Yeah, or? I split it. I probably shouldn't have split it. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. I think going down the west side would have been harder. I think the side I went down, which was the east side, was definitely easier. Um, and that led to the path, which was faster movement. Right. To exit. Right. And I do remember, though, the only only thing I advice I had maybe was that 992 leader was back on the hill. He wasn't with a fire group, and then right. he didn't get over to the broken guys yeah. quickly enough. Yep, I had him waiting, sort of waiting in a in a, in a uh, blind spot on the hill. Yes, he was safe, um, hoping but... hoping that my other squads could take out your mortar, and then he could just like scurry across the is, open ground. But and he has three points. Yep. Yeah. Whereas but, I, I might have had him over with the broken guys. Yeah. On, on either side. Yeah. yeah. So that made it a little a little tougher, but there was some interesting stuff in here. Interestingly, we I don't think we ever had a sniper go off. In I think the you're right. Team. This is this was uh, five and a half turns. I think we went five turns with it, and or maybe four and a half, and then determined that I wasn't going to be able to make it. Yeah, by so we didn't go all the way points. through. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, we did have something interesting where um, you were on the edge of the creek and taking crest status. Yes. Claiming crest status. And then I moved down into the creek adjacent to you. Well, and half you, away, I think. And you fired at me. And I asked if there was any any sort of um, die roll modifiers for that. And yeah. you said no, but actually there is. Which for, shooting down, for shooting backward, there is. For shooting, for shooting away, not through the... Hexides for which you are claiming crest status. Oh, it's not just the opposite crest sides. Right. Oh, any, I had it wrong. Any Sorry. crest side where there where you are where you do not have the crest status, you get a Is plus it two. A plus two. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like half firepower backward. No. Okay. Yeah. Well. I'll, so one little thing. Yeah. Don't don't listen to me all the yeah. time, Jeff. Well. <laughs> It, it wouldn't have made a big difference. I was pretty difference, sure of it, though. I really was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. F- yeah. Forward crest, and then did did you read the whole thing again? Was it backward? Is it half firepower? Area fire out the rear side? No. No. Nope. What am I thinking it's of? It's just a okay. plus two. Yeah. Had that one totally wrong. Yeah. But a fun scenario, anyway. Now, you had five foxholes. I don't remember. Did you use a couple of them? But I don't know yeah, if you used them all. Yeah, it's hard. You put them in places where you're not yeah. going. And so I just, you leave them behind and go running out. I left them to go up counterattack you when you were broken and then to run back to the other side so yeah i left them yeah so um but but fun that was fun but i took a beating but it was fun yes i hope that plus two mistake wasn't the when only thing no probably not we may i don't think i'm you, sure i <laughs> think i don't think they broke you anyway in that shot um that guy keep coming yeah i think the guy kept coming i think he did yeah but but I was gonna. It it prevented me from running more guys down into that creek. Oh, you know, I was yeah. I was hesitating, even though oh, okay. it was end game. I was still hesitating. Yeah. But anyway. Well, my apologies, sir. Fun. That's quite all right. And the um, Friday when you were unable to make our big game. Yeah, when the you're playing the Arnhem Bridge scenario. God uh, save the king. God save the king. Played turn six or seven, was it? We played one turn. Yeah. And Jeff had had some guys up forward in fortresses that were surrounded. Yeah, so Dave and I are playing the British. We need to hold a, a block, an area of the of the map. Yeah, block H. It's like surrounded by streets. It's yeah. a section yeah. of the city. And the forward guys, we had Mike Stupitz come in and replace you. Oh, not he that did. you're replaceable. Okay. okay. No, of course not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he managed to... How's he look with no pants? Very I've good. Never... Very good. good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah nice good. legs. Nice. 
but he failed the roles, all three morale checks on the forward squads. Oh, he did. Oh, dang. So they're gone. Okay. Um, but then the German moved up, Dave Timmons, against your side across the street from where you had set up a nice defensive row. Yes. You had guys in the houses, and then you had behind the houses the alternating hexes right, right. behind them. Yes. So they could shoot between the houses also at the street. Right. Worked really well. Oh, good. So that did push Timmons back. So he just won another turn on that flank. And on my side, I just pulled back all the way. Yeah. I pulled back like three hexes to a more solid position within that block. So that's all. I you know say. what occurred to me? It's it, it's funny um, how many things we're forgetting kind of as we go along. One thing that Dave and I did was um, we had a certain number of units that have piots and a certain number of units that um, are assault engineers. Assault engineers. And we so we wrote all this stuff down. But as we're breaking guys and half squatting them, half-squatting them we're not writing down then who's got the piots. And yeah, I we think didn't we're get little, the same letter uh, yeah. squad out. Yeah, but I think we got them all back on board. Oh, really? Except one, which I don't know where yeah. it goes. I think. Yeah, all those little things that you that you got to keep track of. The other thing I was thinking of is there there have been a couple of turns where as we're sort of as the British are sort of waiting for the Germans to to make some movement, and as you know, the British have there's some squads that have nothing to do. Couldn't they be digging to foxholes in some of that open ground? There's there's some open oh. ground in those middle in the middle section there. Yeah, they could be. They could be digging foxholes. Yes, you're we right. We need to start doing that. Yeah, you're right. That's so a good it's idea. Too late now, probably, but because it takes two turns or something. Yeah, by the time you get the neg uh, modifiers on. Yeah, but they sure. might as well be doing that. That might be something. I'd like to know if other listeners have have been good with that, following up, doing stuff like that. These guys are not doing anything. They should be doing something. They're, yeah. Dig a foxhole. Yeah. yeah Come like on, you lunkheads, dig a foxhole. Don't just yeah, lay we'll there. To, we'll have to look at it. Yeah. Anyway. That's all I've been playing lately. Okay. We'll get to it. What, what have you got there, Dave? Hey, I have a little product for what's in the box. What kind of product? ASL Annual 92. Why, of course, you know me. I'm trying to go in order. You know, ASL Annual 92. I'm still waiting for mine. You've been waiting a while. I've been waiting for 12 years. I think it's lost in the mail. 22 years. (laughs) Right. 22 years, my friend. 22 years, my friend. I've been checking the mailbox every day for 22 years. Yeah, I think I'd write Avalon Hill and tell him it's... (laughs) Yes, I should. Well, you open this one, Jeff. You got the Commissar's House. Red Barricades version. Historical version, not the one that came out in Beyond Valor. Oh, so I don't. I mean, I played it, but I don't remember how it was different. Yeah, but. we assume it is so, though. Yeah. Well, so this is board. your original copy from 1992. Right? Yes, it is. Yeah, wow. it looks. Yep. It's in good shape. Yep. Little tear here. I dropped it when I was doing this research stuff. Oh. And it's very similar to the other ones that we have reviewed on this show and in, in, in what's in the box. And this issue features the Soldiers of the Sun by Charles Marcus. Who writes a very, very look again, at all the words? I know. Oh my gosh! Teeny, Dave. teeny print and analysis of the Japanese. But he opens with usually this history. He does infantry here. Yeah. And oh, perhaps ASL's most inspired counter artwork to date can be found on the Japanese leader counters, rated eight plus one in the nine neg one and higher, which depict the officer advancing with the sword upraised and the sidearm. Yeah, that's a nice observation. <laughs> no, I, do I don't know. I, I, you know, I love ASL, but I honestly don't tell anybody this. But the counter images, I don't consider it artwork. Oh, okay. Well, that would be I don't get all close. You know, when I when I first saw Kota Bushido, I didn't go. Oh, the look at artwork! The, look at the Japanese—the <gasps> artwork. I kind of liked. I actually looked and just noticed, like the long. It seemed like longer rifles or something, and um, yeah, no, it's a squad. Yeah, uh, he goes into um, and if you're the guy that did the art on uh, Kota Bushido, sorry. Yeah, um, the poor range factor simulates various difficulties under which Japanese troops operated. First, most Allied soldiers agree that on the whole, the Japanese soldier was a bad shot. Yeah. 
Second, look at this. Whole a lot of them, you know, <laughs> they didn't have real weapons to practice with. You know, they did a lot of their training. Really? You know, get, yeah. Shortages. Second, as already noted earlier, Japanese tactical leadership left a lot to be desired. Third, poor... Yeah. Yeah, Japanese management, not very good in those days. Well, he goes on to say most willing to squander the lives of their men for meager tactical returns. Yes. Yeah, really, they they had their um, emphasis in the wrong area. <clears throat> the, a lot of those leaders did. Third, poor Japanese tactical doctrine played a role, although they had experienced some of the horrors of 20th century warfare during the Russo-Japanese conflict, and so on. Look how long he talks about that. And then fourth, and coupled to this over-aggressiveness. Yes. Japanese tactics and planning were inflexible also. Yes. Sixth, lack of personal initiative in the Japanese soldiers of all ranks. Yep. From a very rigid social order. Yep. Very true. Seventh, inadequate training was up. There's your rifles. Yes. It, yeah. I forgot that one. I did reread this whole thing. Yeah. Eighth, look at this whole page. Just kidding. Eighth, and partly responsible for this inadequate training, was ineptitude of the Imperial Japanese Army's personal personnel bureau of the Imperial General Headquarters in placing senior commanders into certain field commands. There was an unfortunate tendency to choose officers who, due to past personal animosities, were incapable of working together. Yeah. I never knew that. A lot of personalities involved there. And a lot of, you know, because it was a very um, status-aware system at home and did not translate well to the military as the different statuses had had clashes. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says, lastly, they did ad hoc formations. Yeah, And he goes into unique traits about the, again, ASL Japanese and talks about the prisoner, the neg ones, all this stuff. Infantry weapons, analysis. I mean, he really really does a very nice article. Um, again, you're not going to get your tactical information here, how to play ASL here. Ordnance? No, but more, um, but hit the, hit the history um, goes along very well with the way the... Uh, ASL module is, is set up and the way the leaders are designated with mm-hmm. their morale levels and, and the way the units don't break, you know, they just stripe. Fits all, all very well with the history behind it. So very clever the way they built the module. Yeah, and and, and Charles's research is here is just incredible. It actually yeah. talks about the hand grenades being more of a poor quality. Yeah. Armor, goes into armor doctrine. Um, which AFVs have omitted from COB because they saw little or no combat that the Japanese had. Mm-hmm. That kind of detail. And again, page we're already up on page 15 here, and it started, I don't know, on page 3 or something. And then Jungle Warfare that, you know, um, originally I think people overestimated how much the Japanese loved the jungle. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was exaggerated. And he then concludes... Um, the article. Yeah, so he's got about twelve pages of really highly detailed, really fine print. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, just you just want to grab a nice history of Japan in World War Two. Yeah, right there, right there. And in addition to why the factors are as they are in yeah. ASL. Yeah, right. Um, some more scenarios at Hockett Brains, a series replay by Chuck Goats and. Getz and Perry... Perry Cock? Yes, sir. Oh, really? Neutral commentator, Pat Jonke. Okay. And I did not set up all the counters. We've talked about this with the other reviews, but I did read all the oh, original comments. You're amazing. The turn, um, discussions of what happened in each turn. Are you, would you be willing to swear to that under oath? I will. That you read all that? I did. Okay. But again, I didn't read all these little yeah. counter movements. No. Well, and it's Perry. So I'm thinking, oh, let's see what Perry was yes. doing. And I'm sorry, which scenario was that that they oh, did? Oh, yeah, thank you. Sorry. Because that, that's thank one you. I might, I keep thinking, I'm going to do this one of these times. I am. Oh, it's Uphill, which is right there on A41, the opposite okay. Uphill, yeah, right here. <clears throat> which board is that? 50, uh, 30? 35. Okay. With the overlays, the rice paddy oh, okay. and two and three, the rice paddy. So you'd have to struggle through that. Um, mm-hmm. 
rice patty rules are very long. I keep thinking I'm gonna do, I am gonna do one of these because it would be. I just think it would be a good exercise for me to go through it and just see what I learn. Yeah, and then come the and even do. you can come back and then even read this and yeah. see how it how it compared. Yeah, exactly. Even looking at the diagrams of how the Japanese are attacking here, lots of use of smoke for them to cross this open ground and mm-hmm. coming out of the rice paddy here on this turn, player turn four. Perry's defending a hill with these British, and he does end up losing, but he makes a gallant battle. And there's little things you will find out again, like at one point he says, well, the neutral commentator, well, I thought it was really great that, I forget if it was Perry, but maybe Perry left a concealed leader in a hex with his defending British preparing for the close combat. So when the Japanese advanced in... The leader is concealed. That gives him the neg two on the ambush roll, ah. which I had that done against me in a tournament and lost on the last turn right. in that combat, and still failed to remember because you didn't leave him concealed. Yeah, I still it? show him. Even I have yeah. an eight zero and I show him. Yeah. Well, I'm going to fire. Here's my eight zero and here's my four four seven. Why do I do that? Just leave the eight zero concealed. No reason to reveal him. And then we have a Steve Swan article. That's the way we learn, Dave. That is the way, well, if we would apply what we learn. Yeah, yeah, that'd be better. And this article on the Australian independent companies um, called Piggy Piggy or PGPG. Yeah, that I one, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. And it's the term for going on, um, like, patrol, like commando patrol. Oh, okay. And it's a way to establish the Fiji commando and Australian independent companies in 1942. And he lays out how many squads you'd have, leaders, machine guns, mm. with that. Fitting the Fiji commandos into ASL, for more like for do-your-own stuff. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar. And there's a commando hunt one. I think this actually used his concepts there. That's ASL scenario which one? 42. Okay. A42, mm-hmm. commando hunt. And then you have this Commando Campaign Game, a new challenge for SL players, squad leader. Ah. And I did not read it. Yeah. But as you can see, this will go through rules for a campaign game for the original squad leader. Yeah. And a layout of scenarios and how to do replacements and all that stuff. Wow. And here is Mission A, B, C, D, E, Those F, are all scenarios? G, H, oh, yeah. I. Oh, and huge. J, K. Oh, my L, gosh. Yeah, I'm going, wow, there's a... Boy, you get your money's worth out of just that if you're a squad leader player. Really? You know? Wow. And I think each one continues or something, but I I don't know. It's a campaign game. Probably. It's a campaign game. Yeah. But the map layouts are all different. Yeah, with six maps often on each, on some of them. Yeah. And then you got your more scenarios there Tequila Sunrise, Probing Lay Force. And then the Doom Battalions article. Again, Charles Marcus. He wrote like half of this thing. Wow. And a again, very detailed history of Belgium, Greece, Holland, Holy Norway. Cow. You know, and what they did in the war it was good. I used some of this when I was teaching World War II, too. Um, just like, oh, kids, I was reading last night about how, you know, Poland fell or why this battle went quickly and Belgium capitulated and so on. Because those kind of details I don't cover every year, and I lose that in my memory. You know, you're focusing on France and... Britain and so on. Yeah. Battle of Britain. Yeah. But Yugoslavia, and that's the first part. All histories of those nations, very concise, very detailed. Um, and then the ASL treatment, and because this was like last hurrah. Mm, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. And a conclusion done. So it's called Doom Battalions. The name of the article is Doom Battalions. And forgive my density. It's not just that I'm dense. I'm being dense for our listeners who don't know. Allied so miners? does it relate to the the Doom Battalions uh, module? The last hurrah? No, Doom Battalions. No. The name of the article is Doom Battalions. It is. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, Allied Miners. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It is. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, he came out with this after okay. the release of the game. Okay. This would be the annual following that release. Uh, okay. Okay. Although also okay. annual has the Japanese, Japanese too. Japanese so. in it too. Yeah. Um, and... Um, yeah, the revamped counters from Last Hurrah, blah, talks about that. Okay, yeah. And then a little thing on the press. This mentions the early news zines that were out in those days. The Route Report, 
of which I have all those. Oh, okay. Um, ASL fans. Kurt Martin, Dagger, the Detroit area gamer guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mark Hanna's At the Point, and I have those. Wow. And the latest is Fire for Effect, and I have those. I think that was a shorter-lived one and became something else maybe. But they actually mentioned the, the amateur products here mm-hmm. in this oh, that's nice. sidebar. Yeah. Yeah, which... I don't see a lot of, I guess, these days. No, no, it's kind of unusual for MMP. I mean, at least these days, they don't really acknowledge the that stuff Yeah, too much. Scenario A46, Poland, 1939 Rattle of Sabres. Ooh. Both German and Poles have 17 cav counters each. Oh, cavalry. I'd done it, but I forgot how it went. Sweet. Totally. That'd be probably That'd be a good digging one. out again. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. more. Um here we damn well played. This is the playtest of General 50 from Mark Nixon. He's a very well-known uh, player, and mm-hmm. this gets into some tactics. And I thought I could actually read some of this. Is that okay? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Tactics. Um, like tactics. For desert. Okay. For desert. Uh, he, he says, there's a lot of diet. Well, it's kind of more like... Concept maybe it's more conceptual stuff. There's a lot of die rolls for random things like bogging. Yeah. And he says, now what some players will conclude after playing this, and here we damn well stayed, I won't even argue against the that accusation that the dice it's a dice match rather than a tactical game. Mm-hmm. But I take a different point of view. While many of these events might occur upon the rare occasions, like you know, dust, bogging, breakdown. Right. Um, there's such a wide assortment of happenstances in the scenario that there's a fair chance something outstanding will occur and possibly to dominate the match. Read that, quote, someone might get lucky and win. Now, I don't deny this, that it's more readily have to happen than other scenarios, but I would liken the rate of fire, ammo shortage, dust, intensive fire, and bog potential in this encounter to any scenario which has air support. Experienced players know these game these might abuse game balance. Yet, like those scenarios which feature air power, this one is so dynamic it simply demands to be played just to see what combination of bizarre events might take mm. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have fun with it. Yeah. So it may not be just because of the roll of the die, the way the dice roll. Yeah, if you it bog three be... tanks, you're not going to win. Yeah, but still, it's cool. It's cool. I I think so, too. Yeah, I agree. Now, I know some people that would say, yeah, I won't play that because of that. Because it relies too much on the die. Yeah. And he's saying one might play it and hate it the first time, but I'd recommend a second time and several times because you might love it the next. Yeah. And I don't know. I thought that was fair enough. And in one interesting variation on the VC, only eliminated guns could be deducted from the number of German tanks needed for a win. If the gun only malfunctioned, it left the number at the higher level. Thus, the British player with a broken gun faced a very tough decision. If he repairs it, a six might eliminate it, mm-hmm. and then making an exit easier for Germans. So he's just talking about the way the rules, the victory conditions can create these dilemmas right? for the players. Still present in this scenario, however, is the British dilemma with intensive fire and overrun prevention shots. If he uses these, he might make his enemy's job easier by breaking the ATG. If he avoids them, the enemy might well win for lack of enough lead in the air about about his tanks. Other than continued reports of exceptional rate of fire, or lack thereof, and the give and take of guns breaking and being repaired, there's nothing more exciting in ASL than the long malfunction gun Suddenly, rolling back into service near the end of the scenario, at the end of a close match. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Yeah. I thought that was nice. Yeah. So he brings up, you know, I think that's an interesting point about, uh, you know, you're playing a scenario and maybe fairly early on the dice are not doing well, and do you stop playing, or do you keep playing? You should keep playing. You know, it's almost like you wish the victory conditions would adapt, would, would would shift a little bit. Yeah. So that you so that you want to keep playing, because I think a lot of these are uh, really cool. Yeah. Keep, keep going with them. I guess you it, could also just start over. Well, there you play go it again. too. Yeah. Switch I've sides seen that or happen in a yeah. night. Yep. And then I think this was more tactics. Um, additional enemy tanks might charge into. Remain in the hex. The AT anti-tank gun could then fire only in the in-hex target. 
And if that tank actually stops in the hex and survives through the round of close combat, the gun crew will be locked in melee, but not able to fire the gun in its ensuing prep fire phase. Another option, a Mark III tank, German, going in, might forego shooting, perhaps a tank with malfunction weaponry, weaponry, and run through the gun hex to shoot off its smoke dispenser. Oh. Should it fail that roll, it could then opt for bounding triple point blank fire and whatever armament it does have available. If it manages to play smoke in the hex, the gun will have be, be stuck with a plus three modifier. Clever Tinker might then exit the hex to the southwest, such the gun will then be covered with drifting smoke in the ensuing prep, British prep fire phase for a total of plus seven I don't think I would think that far ahead. That I guy's mean, that's thinking. Only, yeah, I mean, that's only like a turn <laughs> or two ahead, but that's that's good thinking. Yeah, so that's kind of neat. And then down here I thought this other one. Don't forget to use the light machine guns to roll to hits and to kills against the AFVs and to apply the case D to kill number change for ranges 0 to 6. You know, in the... yeah. It, does, it raises the kill number of the anti-tank of the anti-tank rifles, the ATRs. I didn't realize light machine guns get that benefit. I didn't either. At close range, their kill number goes up from that like four. It goes up. Oh. So MGs and ATRs, they all receive a modifier for being less than twenty-five millimeters size. I haven't been ever doing that. You've been. You got to start over. Cheating myself. Yeah. Start over. Scenario one. Do it again. Yeah. And then um, there's the here we damn well stayed scenario and signals letters to the editor again. Oh, and I maybe noted to read this one. Oh, yes. May I? You uh, Please. From Paul Hendrick in Belgium. Roger McGowan was simply irreplaceable as the artist for the box covers. GP, George Parrish, has done well on some, Paratrooper, Hedgerow Hell, fantastic on others, Yanks, Red Barricades, but has also produced some dogs, Beyond Valor, Code of Bushido. What's needed is not just a nice picture, but rather a sense of drama and historical accuracy has to be conveyed. This fails utterly in Beyond Valor. Where the parade ground officer in front of the tiger tank in Africa paint is less than convincing. If you would want to illustrate an east front module centered around city fighting, the tiger wasn't even operative then, and the average lanzer looked rather less immaculate in combat. Could be that the artist has a problem with the coal scuttle helmets. His efforts certainly fail on this box. And consider that he succeeded to avoid picturing any Germans at all on no less than eight following modules, which has had them as the main adversaries. Nevertheless, he has great potential. And I hope that on your next historical release, he doesn't miss the chance to portray a cigar-chewing piper in his Schwimmwagen at the Mamaldi Sanki Vith signpost. It would certainly add that extra bit with the which the connoisseur cherishes. And the reply from the editors. In response, I'm not sure how to begin. In general, much of what Mr. Mr. H says touches upon a matter of taste. George Paris has been the cover artist of all the modules to date, and I'm sure that the fact that he is in his 60s now and is a well-respected artist in the book and movie trade has, and he has great potential, that idea will encourage him. (laughs) It did, yes. I did think of that and when it goes you said on. those words. And then That's later, kind of later, as for the suggestion regarding offering Germans in desert colors, counters, mm-hmm. I can only imagine that this was made with tongue-in-cheek. While we're at it, let's print the Finns and Russians, Germans and Americans, and the map boards, too, in white, so we can better simulate winter actions. And you Look at been, that! You've been asking for that since day one. Do you think I subliminally put both the ideas of box art review and white winter boards all in my head from 1992? It could be the ASL annual that uh, people will, uh, <laughs> people all over the world will treat with more respect. And they just the... emerged from my brain. Yeah, and could so very well be chronology yeah. of war, 
wraps it up. And the Forward Observer, again, telling you what's coming up in the ASL game world. Oh. Always my favorite. Yeah. And that's Annual 92. Very nice. Very nice. Good one. You'd say that one was uh, worth having. Well, it's similar to the others, um, but the Nixon article on the desert. Yeah. Um, and really, I'm starting to really become a, a much bigger fan again of the histories by Charles Marcus. Yeah. They're good. And, and realize the value of rereading those, especially if I'm teaching uh, World War II and, and the fall of those minor countries I need to become better at. So I probably should Xerox these pages off and keep them right at work for reference. Yeah. I like them. No, for my own personal use. Oh, yes. That okay. would be legal yeah, in an educational setting. Yes, of course. Well done. Thank you, Dave. And now we'll get on to some rules. Ah, the meaty portion of the show. Yes, for those people that want meat. The rules are here. So today we decided to do uh, rules from Chapter A, Section 7, Fire Attacks. Which you think we'd have covered somewhere, and I think we have bits and pieces. Yeah, probably Never all together. Yeah. So, and Fire Attacks, I mean, this is sort of what it's all about. You get all these guys, you dress them up. You train them, you give them equipment, you ship them overseas, <laughs> uh, you get them marching out there, and if they don't have fire attacks, everybody just goes home. Or has so, a picnic. No. Nope. This is war. This is where it all happens. So, um, obviously, you know, interestingly, the fire attack section is only like page and a half, maybe? Two pages? Well, long. plus my portion. Yeah. Well, maybe my three. There's big ideas that are yeah. succinctly stated. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And so basically, um, we'll just go through that fire attacks, obviously, occur in the prep fire, advance fire for the attacker, those phases, and for the defender in the movement phase and in the defensive fire phase. <clears throat> now, one thing, um, there are modifiers. This is what I hate about fire attacks. There are modifiers. <laughs> Can't be simple. No, but you got to remember, um, and they, they make a special note of it here, fractions are all retained and added together. Yes. And then for, round it down. For, for fire attacks, yeah, and then if there's any anything left over, you round it down. But keep all your fractions together and add them all up to you. If you're doing a fire group, add it all together. Then you do your rounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Point blank fire, which is my favorite kind of fire. Yes. It's so when, it's, when you're doing it to someone else. Point blank fire, yes, is occurs when you have a small arms, machine guns, uh, ATRs, or infantry fire equivalency. And when does point blank fire, Dave? How how close does the enemy need to be? Adjacent. Yes, or adjacent, and within how many levels? One. That's right. Or higher. No, well, but not lower. Oh, yes, because hand grenades count going down. That's right. That's right. That's double. right. You double your fire power, fire power down when you're but, on level two or higher. Right. And a guy doesn't double it shooting up. That's right. Windows, yeah. Because you can't throw... or you, It's tough to throw hand grenades up, plus they fall down. Yeah. And they could blow up on you. So, yes. You must have line of sight. So, if you are adjacent and in a row house, doesn't matter. Blocked, okay. It's blocked. Um, if you're in the same location, then what happens to your point-blank fire? Uh, tripled. That's right. Yeah, if they're in the same location. Now, that can happen if there's berserk. If you got a berserk unit running yes. into your X and movement. Human wave. Yep. Uh, Japanese things, bonsai. Right. An unarmed infantry OVR. Overrun. Oh, yeah, like uh, overrunning a leader. Right. Yep. Now, does ordnance have point-blank fire? No. That is correct. Um, Now, there are occasions, as you mentioned, triple point-blank fire. So, like, um, and this comes across a lot when you're doing the the bypass sleaze movement. Oh, yeah. You might have this, this coming up. Passengers, riders, and crew that are not buttoned up in a closed-top AFV in an enemy hex can be attacked at triple point-blank fire in that or a higher location. Does that make sense? Buttoned up. Yeah, not buttoned up. 
in a closed top AFE. Okay, okay. Can be attacked at triple point blank fire in that location or higher. Yes, that easily But if they're buttoned sense. up, then they, then they can't. Half-track passengers and uh, open-top AFE crews attacked even if not crew exposed. They can be attacked at triple point blank, but then they have to take a die roll modifier. Okay. Because they're not crew exposed. They get the, the, they get the protection of the, of the vehicle. Right. Which is reduced by higher elevations, I believe. Uh, that's right. Moving units may attack... Uh, let's see, I put this... This one I didn't know. The moving units may attack first if part of an OVR. Overrun? Mm-hmm. Moving units may attack first. Oh, yeah. I guess that's right. But if they're if part the of the overrun. shoots defensive fires before you go in well, there? Um, Unless that means close combat? I don't know. Okay, and that, that kind of confused me. So, it, it, But the, the exact, sorry, the exact quote is, the moving units may attack first as part of an OVR or in turn during their advance fire phase with both area and triple point blank if they are able to. Yeah. That's confusing. I think so. Yeah. But it must be if the defenders just don't want to shoot, right? That, that's got to be. Keep concealment so they wouldn't fire. And then any survivors are not held in melee until after close combat phase. In the vehicle. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So they're marked with a close combat counter until the end of the close combat phase. Then they're marked melee. It's just kind of a weird spot for that rule. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a weird spot. It doesn't seem like the that. firepower, but yeah. it is the firepower of overrunning vehicles at triple. Right. So it's added in there. Okay, then our uh, target selection limits. Units can't fire out of its location while occupied by a known enemy. We know that. The vehicle freeze The sleaze. vehicle bypass sleaze. Even if that unit is disrupted. Unless. So there is there is one occasion where a vehicle in bypass doesn't give you the, the freeze. And that's if it's an unarmed, unarmored vehicle. A truck. A truck. Not afraid of a truck, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can't, if you got trucks, you can't use those for vehicle bypass sleaze. Freeze. Yeah. When a unit, and here's just a rule of thumb, when a unit is eligible for triple point blank fire, it can only attack those units. In the hex, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. Okay, so now there are some penalties for different kinds of fire. For long range fire, which is anywhere over its fire length and up to half of its normal range, normal range, what's the penalty? Half firepower. That's right. If it's against concealed unit? Halved again. Halved again. That's, that's considered area fire. I guess that makes sense. They're concealed. You can't really see them. You're just sort of shooting all over the place to try to hit something. Yeah. yeah. What about in the advanced fire phase? Oh, yes. Half firepower. Half firepower. That's right. Unless they are doing opportunity fire. Right. Okay. Are Molotovs, flamethrowers, or DCs ever halved? No. That is correct. Now, there's um, this is something I don't use very often is opportunity fire, but... During the prep fire phase. You remember to mark a unit. Mark a unit with opportunity fire. It's on the flip side of a prep counter. Okay. Um, does marking a counter with opportunity fire remove concealment? Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Okay. It does. Yep. So they could be fired upon. So it, it, it's a little bit of a risk. Yeah, because they could be fire upon during defensive fire. Right. But then during advanced fire, they can fire at, at, at full. full. I saw Full that effect. done in a series replay in an old annual or journal um, annual where the guy was going to send a bunch of half squads across the road at the enemy. Yeah. So he opted to get them to drop concealment. So he op fired like the top level of the building all the way across. Mm-hmm. All the guys sent the bottom level half squads out. Yeah. The enemy dropped his concealment to shoot these guys in the street and right. then he advanced fired at full. Yeah. Good. Now, um, once they op fire, what counter do you put on top of them? Once they take their opportunity fire, what counter do you mark them with? Flip it to a prep? That's right. Oh, okay. And, which makes sense. Yeah. And that's why they so, put it on the flip th- uh, on that side there. But then they're considered prep fire for all, for the rest of the purposes of the turn. Is rate of fire allowed during opportunity fire? This is the ability, the ability of a of it's a machine gun te- to fire more than once. It's technically advancing fire. But it's op. I'll say yes. 
Yes, is correct. Okay. It is allowed. Is intensive fire allowed during opportunity fire? Well, I'll say yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. There are some conditions. Well, there's at least one condition or ordinance is allowed to fire opportunity fire. Normally, it's not. I don't know. If it is manned by infantry instead of a crew. Really? Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that one. I never would have remembered that one, but... If it's manned by infantry instead of a crew... It can it can op fire. Okay. Yeah. And then there's just uh, some area fire occasions where area fire occurs. Area fire, which is half firepower, occurs under different circumstances, one of which is by... Oh, it's area fire. Infantry in a crest. In crest status. Yeah. Firing through non-crest status hexes. As we just talked about that. Yes, and I'm sorry. I said it was a plus two. It's not. It's it's halved. That's what I thought. Which Half is what you behind, said. behind, though, it's not halved. to the sides. Any non-crest status oh, okay, that's hex where I screwed up. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it's halved if it's directly behind you. Yeah. Because you have to turn around. So, yes. But so, remind just, me. If you go out of the, even if you turn sideways, it's halved. Okay. And does crest status cover three hexes, or does it oh, depend? In the, in that creek, it didn't cover the side you were down. Okay. It covered, like, my front one, and maybe the river was bending to my right, so it might have covered two of the hex vines. So, the, the ones that were the artwork, yeah, the brown right. line artwork is. Yeah. So you could place a, you know, two or three sides, depending on where it is. And do crest status come in one, two, or three yeah. hex side coverage? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I think so. Well, hold down does. Maybe I'm confusing hold down, but I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's about it. There are a couple of footnotes in there. A couple of them were uh, the footnote 8, 9, and 10. The only one that I found of, of interest was uh, footnote 8, which talks about why Point blank fire and triple point blank fire are in the rules. Exist, okay. Which is because when units become adjacent, now squads are starting to use grenades. Yeah. And so much heavier fire than than just from their... And more accurate, I'd assume, but yeah. But the grenades really factor yeah. in. Yeah. So that's why they're that's why they're in there. And that's it. All right, excellent, Jeff. And I will continue from that section on. Okay. Through fire grouping. And one note is do you have to pre-designate all your fire before you, you know, this would be great for a starter kit episode right here. I'm oh, sure yeah. these rules are the same in starter kit. Yes. Point blank, concealment, halving fire. I'm going to bet you. Do you have to pre-designate all your attacks before you fire any of them? No. No, you do not. You can wait and see what happens. Yeah. If the guy broke before you decide who to shoot at next. And when you resolve your firepower... You add the firepower modifiers like pinning, which did what to the firepower? Halves. And you roll two die mm-hmm. and add a die modifier for terrain, like buildings, woods, hindrances, like right. grain, smoke, and leadership. And target characteristics? Oh, like a neg one for a flamethrower. Target characteristics. Unique mm-hmm. to the target. Mm-hmm. I wondered what the heck that meant. Mm-hmm. It suddenly came to me. And then you use the bold print on your IFT column. Not the, not bold factors by the slash, because that's the gun caliber sizes. And less than or equal to that firepower of the attack. So yep. if you have a 7, you go on the 6 chart, right? Right. And excess have no effect. Exception heavy payload, which is a ordinance rule C.7. It would give you negs on all that. And then 7.301, what does a number KIA mean? Number KIA, like a 1KIA, 2KIA, what does that do on the... Oh, that would eliminate a squad. That sorry. eliminates the squads. Yeah, or 2KIA would eliminate two, two squads. Two squads, right, and that's with random selection. So if you get a big tie... They both go. All, yeah, what if I have four guys in there and I roll four dice, Ooh. all sixes? I, I believe I That's, did that like once. Maybe it was three squads yeah. for sure. But wow. And that allows more than the number listed in the KIA. And then your next result would be your K slash number. Right. Which does? Would half squad a squad? Yeah, and then every remaining dude in there. Has to take a morale check with that modified, with Plus that number, whatever, yes. the K-slash number. So if it's a K-slash one, they take a one check. Yeah, and now what's interesting I found reading this, so again, I was kind of looking to this thinking, well, this is basic. We 
covered a little like probably quiz shows and things like yeah. that. But what's you can I find anything unique that I don't get in each specified target location? There's a casualty reduced squad or half squad. Each specific specifically de- designated target location. Spraying fire. Oh, right. Canister. It's more than one. Oh. So it's saying each. Now, my interpretation of that is that means there's casualty reduction in both X's. Oh, yeah. Which I don't think I've been doing that at all either. I don't see so you there's use a KIA, fire very much, but. Well, no, but I know. I, I, you know, I don't So if believe. you do spray and fire and you get KIA, there's casualty reduction in both X's. That makes sense. It's what it, sa- it's yeah. a, it's where it says yeah. in each specified location. Yeah, okay. And, of course, that would eliminate the half squad or crew. Wound a single man counter. Yeah. I used to play that where the single man counter was gone because I was thinking, well, if there's 10 guys in a squad, they're hit, they lose five. A single man counter hit with a casualty reduction must be gone because he's only one guy. But, no, it's a wound it's check. It's a wound. And you take that wound <clears throat> check, too. And it halfs a squad, of course. Uh, what does a PTC mean? A pin test check. And you roll against your to be pinned or not. Failure right. is pinned. And an NMC? Normal morale check. Right. So if your guy's a 7, you got to roll a 7 or lower. Yeah. If you roll the 7, he's pinned. Less than that, he breaks on the NMC. Uh, more than that. Yeah, uh, more, yeah, more than that. Yeah. Right, thank you. And rule 7.307, I think. There's no effect versus armored units with your shooting of rifles and small arms, except the player's rider's crew, Mm -hmm. and it can leave residual. Passenger's rider's crew. I think you said players. Players. (laughs) You don't want to shoot at the player across from you. (laughs) But it can leave residual. Now, there's another tactical trick I often forget. You want to cover a road, Hex. The guy has to exit on it. So you have a squad next to the road. Here comes a tank. What's he going to do with the tank to prevent you from shooting out of his Hex? Sleaze you. Yeah. Yeah, go on bypass. So remember to shoot your rifles at the tank in that Hex that you want to cover with Resid. Oh, before he gets to your your Hex. hex. And it leaves residual. Leaves residual in that exit Hex. Doesn't affect the tank. Doesn't affect the tank. But it leaves residual. And, you know... So really, help me remember Boy, that. I'm gonna, yeah, that's a good one. And I think in the game we're playing with these guys. We could, British, do, we could be doing that. Because all those tanks are coming in now. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, he did roll into the anti-tank uh, mine, and I blew the roll. Oh. I'm blowing it up in the in the little yeah. little orchard there. Oh. But he's still got to come out of it. So maybe you can oh, roll okay. one on him next time. All right. But yeah, let's um, try and think of that. Oh, he's going yeah. to freeze me. Is it worth me shooting to leave Zid in that street? Where those Germans got to come across yeah. and get those shots on them. Yeah. Unarmored guys use the star star number on the line across the top of the IFT chart. Um, so you take your firepower. There's a number in that line, and and if you roll, um, well, it affects all in that location except for a vehicle out of line of sight and bypass. So if I'm shooting at a vehicle and go and it's behind the building bypassing. Mm-hmm. I can't affect the truck. It's safe. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the other right. side. I okay. kind of forgot that, too. Yeah. It's line of sight is blocked, even though it's in the hex. And it can only affect the number of vehicles or cavalry equal to the KIA number in that chart line. Again, it probably doesn't come up much, but I don't think I'm aware of that. Hmm. Um, so if it's a two KIA, you can only affect two vehicles with that fire on that star line or two okay. cavalry units. Okay. And if you roll less than or equal to the kill number, it's eliminated. And if it's equal to the number, do you know what happens to it? A vehicle? Uh, disrupted or? Immobile. Or, or immobile, okay. And ex- unless it's hauled down, which oh, I also kind of went, yeah. oh. I'd forgotten about so that So if one. I'm hauled down behind a wall and I get the immobile results, shooting all my rifles at a truck or uh, wouldn't be a truck, I guess, but whatever would hit. Well, yeah, it could be a truck. It would be a mobile, yeah. could be a truck. And then less than half of what you need to kill it is going to do what to the vehicle? Uh, blow it up. Burning Flames, wreck. Burning wreck. Yeah. yeah. And then there's the unlikely kill. So if you roll the snakes on the star line, I'm shooting a bunch of rifles at a truck, 
and I roll snakes, it can damage it even if modifiers raise that number to no damage by mod, you know, mods. Mm, okay. Oh, now it's a plus two because of this, so I don't get a kill on it. It's not a crit. Then you do that unlikely kill roll. You roll a subsequent die roll one, and if you get a one, you get a burning wreck. So it's kind of like, oh, I have snakes. I should have a critical hit, but I yeah. don't. So then this gives you a chance to roll again for it. Unlikely kill. One is a burn, two is eliminated, and a three is immobile. Okay. If two die roll eliminates or immobilizes it, you still get that effect. Oh, yeah. If, if the two already eliminated or immobilizes it, you still get to roll this extra dice to see if you can get a better effect, like a burning rack. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, okay. And then multiple targets. So squads, can they split their inherent fire? Like, can I have a four firepower squad shoot two firepower to that? No. And No. You may not split. And then can you fire a support weapon separately from your squad? Yes. Yeah. As long as it's the it same. It need, needs to be a different target. Uh, yeah, and the same fire phase. Otherwise, it would be mandatory yes. fire group rules. Right. Spraying fire. Do you, can you tell me anything about Do you remember how that works, spraying fire? Spraying fire is uh, it's half your firepower across two adjacent uh, hexes. And um, so it has to be... Uh, you can do beyond normal range. No, it has to be within three hexes, but some squads are a two range, like the four, two, six. Yes, right. Then oh, you would, it's got to be in three hexes. Within three. Oh, I think I've done that wrong. At a longer I range. Go, I, well, I go them to normal range. Yeah, no. Yeah. Within three. Three hexes. And if it's a two, that puts it over its normal range, so you half it. Yeah. Like normally. But only certain squads have that spray and fire. They have to have the underscore under their range. Range. And then there's the assault fire, mm-hmm. which is underlined firepower. Mm-hmm. And here's what I was reading. You do all the modifications, like halving, doubling. Then you add the one, which is how I've been doing it. But I also noticed it said, then you round up. So I've been taking a five fi- firepower squad. Okay. Halving it for advancing. Right. Two and a half. Then I've been doubling it back to five and adding the one, making it a six. Doubling it back to five for adjacent, for adjacent. Let's say. Okay. Yeah. And then, so reading this, it's really saying I t- you should take it down half to two and a half. Yeah. Oh, I've been rounding it up to three. At that point. Then right. doubling it to yes, six right. and adding one to okay. seven. You're actually not supposed to round it up until after all modifications. Okay. Now, as I thought through some examples, it ended up it would fall back to the same eight, yeah. six firepower charge or something. Yeah. But I've been doing it wrong. And then there was actually a set of rules. It on, takes a big man to admit oh, when he's wrong. Yeah, Dave. squad leader admitted a lot. <laughs> and then the two IFT, the our incremental infantry fire mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are rules for it. Just clarify it. Column shifts go to the standard columns from the IFT, right. not to these additional ones. Yeah. Cowering goes to the left, standard, and then shifts to the next lower. So maybe if you're like, I don't even know what's on there, like a four and a half, you'd go to the four, and then you shift down to the two for okay. cowering. Yeah. Doubling it and halving goes from the actual firepower regardless of the standard, if you're in a standard or incremental column. So it just clarifies that, which... I never really realized there were like rules for the IFT thing yeah. or incremental. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, but I think I've played with that way because it just made sense. And 7.9, the target determination. Um, it affects all vulnerable players, passengers, riders, crew, unarmed personnel, and a hex. And then all of them, of course, roll a separate. Pin check, normal round check for each individual guy. You don't roll yeah. as a group. Oh, I have a, a group. I have six guys in here. They all fail on one die roll. No, no. Roll as an exception. Line of fire is blocked at entrenched dudes behind a wall. So if you have a guy standing behind a wall, yeah, another squad entrenched behind the wall, I fire at him. My line of fire is blocked. The guys in the entrenchment behind the wall. Yeah. So I break the squad that I can see. I still can't just move in there and advance in because you got a squad in there still. So I thought, well, that's a tactical thing. I maybe have to think about yeah. using as defense right. sometime. Um, and then wrapping up here, we have the 
uh, combined dudes? Oh, fire groups. What are fire groups, Jeff? Those are units that are adjacent mm-hmm. that can combine their firepower into one big, huge. Yes, and they can all be in the same hex or they can be in a string of hexes. Yep. A leader cannot count unless he's heroic or firing a weapon. So if you have a squad and then a leader next to him in a hex and then another squad, I can't add those up because the leader has no firepower. Right? Right. Unless he's a hero. Yeah. Okay. She has a one. Yeah. One, four, nine or something, right? Right. Or he's firing a light anti-tank weapon. Yeah. Like a, you know anti-tank rifle or something. Um. Now, this is not applicable to pillboxes do not count for fire groups. Canister does not count. Ordnance, vehicles, yeah. you know, um, except for special conditions on the vehicle, machine guns, on the, like, half tracks and stuff. Everyone must have a line of sight to the target, and if you measure it and find some are blocked, you just drop those off of the fire group. If it splits the fire group into two left and right halves with the center being blocked, just Fire them two separately then. Mm-hmm. And then any modifiers apply to all in the fire group. So if one squad is CX with a plus one. They all take a plus one. Yeah, it might be well, better. It's to, a plus one for the whole group. Yeah, it might yeah. be better to drop him out of the fire group. And target, oh, to get a leader bonus, do you know, do you know this one? If I have a string of four squads, different hexes, mm-hmm. and one nine neg one leader in there, does he apply to everybody? He does not. Does not. You need to have one in each hex. Yeah. Or I thought a heroic leader, but it didn't mention that there. So I'll double-check that. But I thought if he's heroic, he can modify yeah. a multi-hex fire group. Yeah, I think so. It's probably later in the hero rules. Oh, maybe. And again, any modifier applies to all in the fire group. He can direct in a fire group in the first fire. Subsequent fire, you still get his neg one. And the final fire shot. Yeah. If you're all in the same hex with the one dude, right? Right. And the leader affects the to hit. Not the effects rolls on ordnance, right? That's armor right. Yes. leader, neg yep. one to hit, not on the effects. Yep. Um, and can berserk join a fire group? Hmm. No. No, he may not. Right. So that gets us up through fire groups. Da-da, da-da. And. Is it time to end this one? That's it's very, getting to be a long night. Yep. Yep. Night before, well, a couple days ago was the time change too. Yeah, I've got, I've got jet lag. Yeah, I'm lagging because we're we're in daylight saving now. Yeah, which is crazy. So, but, so uh, good rules. Good rules for everybody. Study. Yep. Listen to this episode dozens of times. And I think it's, it's got to be close to the same for starter kit. Yes, absolutely. I think very similar. So you'll get a lot out of that. So, uh, yes, thank you, Dave. Always thank good you, to Jeffrey. See you. Another good one. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope that you will join us again next time. But in the meantime, roll low and rally well. But not when, but you're, not playing when you're playing us. us. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> There's that intro thing. Yeah. I don't even know if I have the energy to do post-show banter. <laughs> Just... Oh, I'm tired. Yeah. Big, Both of us started yawning yeah, at the end of this episode. <laughs> maybe what the, maybe we're getting sold. The rules we are can... good, but there were a couple there where you were reading it, and I just thought, okay. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me any questions. Because <laughs> I'm not with you, brother. <laughs> All right, I'll pack up my little belongings yeah. and go home. All right. <sighs>